Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Um, for this episode, we're going to do something pretty unconventional compared to what we've done before, which is <laughs> we had no plan at all. And no plan. So, <laughs> no plan. So we just kind of started talking about random shit. Um, yeah. So probably after this, I'm going to cut into us kind of randomly talking uh, about our random shit. Shooting the shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it will sound abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Mount Rushmore thing recently? I didn't realize that Mount Rushmore was such a fucking like. No, what is it? They're try There's a like a Native American tribe. I don't remember where Mount Rushmore is exactly. I think it's North Dakota, but it could be South Dakota. But they're trying to make a call for people to get rid of Mount Rushmore because apparently, the entire reason they carved <laughs> Mount Rushmore there was because it was a sacred. Um, like Native American mountain. <laughs> Jesus. And they were just being dicks, basically. Dude. And all of the four presidents that are carved into Mount Rushmore were people who basically like massively genocide yeah, Native Americans. Yeah, like fuck right? Native Americans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's like the real, like, man, Native Americans have been getting shit on for the entirety of our history. And like, I feel. <laughs> sometimes I feel bad and this is like you know obviously something that this is obviously not anything that or something that anyone should feel bad for but I feel bad as like a black person that like that like oh yeah like we got fucked and they got fucked really bad like I don't I'm not interested in like you know stacking trauma or whatever well, it's literally like we have affirmative action for black people we don't even talk about affirmative action for Native American people because there's literally not enough of them for it to be a major conversation in the United States yeah right like, like we talk we, about it but we, it's not not in the same level that we do with black people right yeah I mean it, it's kind of like the fruition I mean America got what they wanted right they're like yeah we just kill uh, so many of them <laughs> that they're that they don't have a strong enough voice in our democracy right right they're not and even like, a major like really like force in the media or anything yeah and I this reminds me of when I was in St. Louis and so I went I've been to St. Louis twice and I've visited the arch both times there's like a museum inside of the arch and the first time I went it was like very kind of like whitewashed like you know gateway to the west kind of bullshit right and the second time they had re-renovated it and it was like very, very kind of frank about the way um, that like specifically St. Louis, but like the way that um, Native Americans were treated throughout of, throughout American history because of how like the history of St. Louis, like obviously it was taken from Native, Native American people and things like that. Um, and um, I thought it was really like refreshing to see like refreshing but too like too little too late to see like you know an a smithsonian affiliated like museum acknowledge that kind of thing but it all yeah like i said it all kind of feels too little too late because like we did it like the people are genocided and um <laughs> and then what you know mm-hmm. um there is this uh, there's this like really powerful kind of line in the museum it was like like the American government created over 500 treaties with the Native American people and they broke every single treaty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, was it Jackson with those trail of tears? Yeah, Andrew Jackson. 
Such a fucking asshole. That's that's literally why when people say, oh, yeah, Trump is the worst president we've ever had. I'm like, have you read a history book? Because oh, no, no. He's empirically not the worst president we've ever had. Clearly worst presidents in American history. <laughs> I think Andrew like, Jackson is a really strong contender. Oh, for sure. You know, right? even literally I, like George Bush in the Iraq war, like in terms of how many people have literally died. And obviously, like there's. There's, it's hard to compare, like, you know, death is a really easy metric to go by. And so we probably over, you know, disproportionately weigh that compared to like normative effects and stuff like that. But like, you know, killing a shit ton of people is like just pretty bad, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I mean, I think that we as Americans like to make justifications for how and why we killed people, like, i.e. the um, bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, yeah, but this is like what we did to the Native American people is just it's not just like there's no justification for it. Like there literally was like these people made every effort to like try and peacefully coexist with like, you know, the fucking white colonizers that had just came that had just come over. And the white colonizers like, no, nah, we're actually just going to fucking kill all of you as like as aggressively as we can. <laughs> And then we're going to tell you that this is your land. And then we're going to be like, oh, no, we actually want that land now. Can you go further to the Just, West? Just, like, shuffle on over. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then some Native American people were like, um, I mean, you already told us that we could have this land. So I'm going to stay here. Like, this is our land. Yeah. And they're like, okay, no, you actually have to go to fucking, like, I don't even know. I forget where the Trail of Tears was leading them. I think it was like it was just the West. I don't that I think there there was a place, but I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Texas. That's Texas? my I'm gonna look it up right now. Yeah, let's look it up. Trail of Tears route. Oh, apparently it went all over the place, I guess. Um Okay, yeah, they they it went all over the place, but it was it was a general like westerly migration from like what we call the South, like you know North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, um, to like Oklahoma, e Missouri, e Arkansas, Kansas. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and that's why yeah. So that's why the arch highlighted like so much of Native American history because like I. It was, you know, very much like in this in the pathway. <laughs> Wait, that's what that arch means? No, 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 no. Like, like that's why that's why they decided to like the arch itself is just like it's just a they built it to make the waterfront look better for St. Louis. <laughs> it okay. literally, it literally was thought. like St. Louis was just like very like it. It was like in the throes of the Industrial Revolution and all of there were so many like plants and factories lining lining the mississippi river um and when they started like inviting people to come trade in st louis and trying to make it a hub they were like we got to make the waterfront better because it's the first time the first thing that people see in st louis because everyone came by boat and so they're like let's build this big ass thing and call it the gateway to the west (laughs) yeah (laughs) but anyways i wanted to ask you about how you felt about like the take like taking down confederate statues like do you think that 
do you think that it's like an oversimplification of a more complex issue or do you think it's well it definitely is an oversimplification like that's always it's almost like almost any question you could ask is an oversimplification the answer is yes right (laughs) but i do definitely worry that there's this focus on these things that i mean i tend have a tendency to feel like there's too much weight put on things that are symbolic as opposed to weight put on things that are actually gonna you know help the lives of black people like affordable housing like they say you know like there's too much weight that's put on things like you know mural bowser painted black lives matter plaza or black lives matter on the road leading to the white house right yeah and has named it black lives matter plaza right and two podcasts ago i said i read the funny tweet about people getting their ass being a black lives matter (laughs) plaza right and that tweet came to fruition last weekend where people got their ass beat on Black Lives yeah, Matter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's kind of like this symbolic thing is super nice from a media standpoint because it'll get, it's like, you know, it's clickbaity, right? Yeah. But affordable housing is not clickbaity. <laughs> it's not. It really you know? isn't. I, I, in fact, so yesterday I was on a, you know, so I, I volunteer with this organization, Brave Angels, right? I was actually on a call with um you know they have an, a a monthly call for all their members and this month the call was with um the commander of the minneapolis police department and uh two police officers and three black men in minneapolis really yeah and it's really actually interesting because the soon they, to be ex-commander because they're dissolving it well he's still the <laughs> commander right now yeah um and the guy that I've been working with to make these like online courses for them is named Bill Doherty. He basically founded this other organization separate from Braver Angels called the Police and Black Man Project. Uh huh. And it's literally what's crazy to me about the, like the Minneapolis, like the fact that all this is going on down in Minneapolis is that Minneapolis actually has had this like crazy amount of structure behind policing as an issue yeah like more than any other city i've ever heard of right like we're like considered very progressive as it relates to like police reform it's super progressive and like the thing that i always like that frustrates me about things like protests is that it's like such an easy thing to do and it's so easy to just like go out protest feel like you did your thing and then go back to whatever right and these people who are in these organizations have actually managed to maintain momentum in working on these things, despite, you know, like not being in the media and like building up this infrastructure such that like when this finally happened, like in a really perverse way, it was literally the perfect city for it to happen in. Right. Yeah. Because like they have all of these. I mean, maybe DC has these projects, but I don't know about them. You know, I feel like we would have heard about them because of this all going on. Had we, yeah, if like we did Muriel, have them. Muriel would be like screaming about how the DC police is like super progressive or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so like they, the police and black men project has been going on since like 2017 and it's, it's done through the university of like Minnesota or whatever. Um, and they have been like facilitating these mediated conversations between like the North side of Minneapolis which is where all of the you know poor people are and the police right and they've been doing this for years now and so like what's super interesting to me is that like they had these three black men get on this call and like they were talking about all of these issues but like 
they had been talking about these issues with the police directly. Like they had had a direct line to the commander of the police force who is black and himself grew up on the North side of Minneapolis. Right. Yeah. Um, for, for a long time. So like, I, I do think like one of the things that he said on this call, the commander of the, um, of the police was like, um, his name is commander Adams and he has a really interesting New York times article about like how to demilitarize basically. And like not, promote this warrior culture within the police. Um, But he, his point was that like, yeah, we've been doing all of this stuff, right? And then to just like liquidate it feels like an erasure of all the work that we've been doing, which Mm -hmm. I totally get. Um, And like kind of, you know, I I would hope, I mean, especially because I don't think that like we're really on the cusp of everyone liquidating their police departments that that kind of thing where the police department is really involved in the community in that way can still be encouraged, you yeah. know, as a model for other police departments. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, I think that like, I, I can definitely see the fear of like, of it coming across as like almost pointless. Yeah, exactly. To do that kind of work. If you're like, if, if a city is not at, at a place where it's ready to like dissolve their police department. But quick question is like, is Minneapolis and they may, they might have not, they might just not know this yet. But are they planning to reform their police department like in a different image? Or I think gonna... so. I don't think that they're going to be completely policeless. Yeah. Right. So then so then like so then I think that it's like probably a mischaracterization to say, to say that they're actually quote unquote liquidating it or whatever. Yeah. Right? That they're like that there is going to be the like complete erasure of all the work that they've done because it's likely that they're probably going to take the best parts of the work that they did mm-hmm. and include it in what this new police department police department is going to look like. Yeah. But, but I get it though. I get I get that like in terms of like a public facing eye. Yeah. It can seem odd about it, but I I also don't think that a lot of people know how progressive Minneapolis was with their policing. Yeah. Well, because again, it's just focus on things that are symbolic and like we over right like we tend to over prioritize those things because it makes the news, which mm-hmm. is like not nothing, right? Because you do need the media. I mean, the whole reason why this is even part of the national conversation is because of the media. If the media had never been reporting on any of these protests or anything, it would not have gotten as huge as it is, right? To this like unprecedented level. Yeah, right? I mean, it, I think it. I think there's. You can make an argument that like social media was the catalyst, but in that For media, sure. in that media itself has been you know, like, has been, I think, I think you can make an argument that media itself has been probably pretty net neutral in terms of, like, the progression of the movement, but it's whatever. I mean, yeah, you could. I don't know. I do think it probably legitimizes it when, like, the New York Times reports yeah, on it and stuff I think, like that. You know what I mean? I think mean? that's definitely true. I think it's definitely true. And I think that, I think, and I think that we are seeing a lot less of, like, the at least overtly racialized reporting of protests mm-hmm. that, we, we saw back in the, like, Ferguson days where mm-hmm. it felt like every headline about the Ferguson protests was, like, like extremely racially coded. Mm-hmm. And with these protests, it kind of felt like they were, like, somewhat racially coded. <laughs> like, definitely not covered the same way that a white protest would have been, pro- been covered, but, you know. Well, there whatever. was definitely, I think, more skepticism in the way that they covered it now of, like, hmm, like maybe these looters aren't all black people or Black Lives Matter people. <laughs> maybe they're people who are trying to discredit the Black Lives Matter yeah. people. Hmm, like... Like wouldn't, that, like, huh, wouldn't that be a good way to do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that... Um, I think it's also a credit to the idea that, like... I mean, and we talked about this on our police defunding episode. But to the idea that 
like if you did all this work and you still have all this fuck shit happening in your police department then maybe it's like the construct of policing as a whole that needs to change well like here's the thing is that um i'm really conflicted over like i i do like in all of the like actual data that i've tried to find around policing it does seem like you know more police officers does have a really positive correlation with people's feelings of safety and actual crimes you know committed or whatever right Mm -hmm. and you know there's this like vox piece um that like was written by max uh matt iglesias of like even when you poll people there's a poll that i think happened in january that he was citing where he was like even communities of you know black and hispanic people if you pull them and say would you be in favor of more cops in your neighborhood or putting more funding into the police department like would you be in favor of it like 60 plus percent said yes mm-hmm. and only like 18 percent say no right yeah so it's like i don't know that's the thing is obviously once you start digging into actual numbers it's super nuanced yeah right i think that i think that a lot of that could probably be attributed to the fact that like this is i don't want to say it's a new idea but it's a very new like forward-facing idea well i think that you know like you know how like the there was all this conversation around like when they were talking about abolish ice right that was you know that's a common activist tactic of like picking something that you know is not actually going to happen in order to shift the Overton window, which is the window yeah. of political possibility, like things that seem politically feasible. Yeah, right. It's classic bargaining, right? You ask, exactly. from, you ask for more than what you think you can get. Yeah. Um, and like by saying, and I think that you know if they're activists listening right now, they're probably like going fucking crazy because they like they're like, no, we actually want the police abolished. Sure. Like, no. I bet you do actually want that, but I, yeah. but I bet you do also actually know that. For the most part, it's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think that you you like you will get a middle ground that is better than what we had before. Probably. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say <laughs> um, that's true for abolish the police. Defund the police, I actually think, is pretty much. It's actually happening. happening right? It's happening. Right. Abolish the police. Is, abolish the police. And, and to be fair, I do think that. Um, Police abolishment. I, I think that police defunding has been the primary message as mm-hmm. opposed to like police abolishment. I think that I think that was like a, a course correction because um, I feel like I, f- I first heard like abolish the police and then it was like, no, actually like defund. I feel like it's easy, like it's easier to wrap your head around it's what that looks like. It's so interesting to see the different ways that there's been these like course corrections in like the in like this crowd of of people and like yeah. actually like it's been somewhat successful because like you know there's like there was that black box thing and then suddenly people were like wait no no no, no. stop doing these black boxes yeah, like, that's a bad idea right and then like people actually did course correct and then like with this whole thing you know around like the like you know how there's all these instagram posts now saying like stop t- saying to like put these cops in jail because that's just reinforcing yeah. the carceral against, state against the prison and uh the prison industrial complex yeah Right, and so it's like that's an, another interesting course correction that's going on, and be like, okay, guys, but like, think about it for two seconds, and you realize the contradiction there, right? Like, <laughs> you're saying to lock seconds. these people up and also abolish jails. That's like not yeah, really compatible. But I was, and 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 then I was thinking, I was thinking about that, and then I was thinking about how, when like in the week after George Floyd was just killed, how like the most impassioned speeches that I like the that I saw and the things that 
like the things that were more that that were most sort of um what's the word like I, I don't exciting but like you know made me angry but encouraged me to act there's a word for this that I'm not that I'm not getting the speeches that that encouraged me that like activated act, you yeah I guess activated I me know. whatever I was yeah. already activated but like the speeches sure. that like that like really were like like lit a flame under my ass were the ones where they were like we want all fought we want all four cops charged and sentenced whatever right and to think about how far the narrative has come from that yeah it's pretty it's pretty amazing but also i think that like on a personal level it's it's hard for me to figure out where i want the line drawn in terms of like when when do i want to stop the the prison industrial complex obviously it's now right but when you say when or do you mean like where when like when do i want to like stop imprisoning people right yeah yeah to me like the answer to that question is now but also there's a lot of me that's like like the quote-unquote like more practical part of me is like well that's not going to happen all at once and it's going to happen like piecemeal Mm -hmm. and i would still kind of like to see those cops in jail as we're as we're deconstructing the system you know Mm -hmm. like it's not like I, they should just, if we were going to have the same system for a while, just get away with what they did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like and I, and once like again, if this, this is, is for the status quo of how we treat people who murder people. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And like, this is the, you know, and this is the nuance that's hard to include in a movement. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, yes. Whenever I see these, these Instagram posts, like, yeah, like every time you say arrest the cops, you're like, you're feeding into the prison industrial complex. Like, yes, I get that. And I want it to be torn down. But at the same time, I want the cops to face consequences within the system that we have now. Like, because if not, then what? These cops walk, right? Like, Right, it's like, it's not, like, that doesn't feel good yeah. or fair. And, we don't, and it, doesn't, it doesn't feel good that, like, these cops get to walk because we don't really know what we want to happen to people who murder people yet. This is, I think, the the classic issue with any kind of like movement is like that was this was, I think, the downfall of Occupy Wall Street. Right. It's really yeah. easy to articulate what you don't want. Mm. Right. It's really difficult to articulate what you do want, because yeah. obviously defund the police, abolish the police, whatever. Right. That's like kind of like the negative state. But then like what what positive state do we want to like like maybe the slogan should be fun social work and mental health. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think the, I, I would definitely want those cops to be like grandfathered into whatever a new system we put in place, but like I also don't want these guys just fucking walking around feeling like feeling like they got away with murder, mm-hmm. because, because of like a favorable shift in the political climate amongst millennials, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I also think it's not even just millennials, like cross generationally. Yeah, I get a right. favorable shift in the movement in general. Yeah, and so I I find myself struggling with that, and I do think that like the nuance is like, yes, I want them punished right now. I, and then when we do the system later, like I don't think they, I think they should be grandfathered into whatever system we have. That's better. Well, grandfathered uh, in usually means that you actually are oh, abiding yeah, you, by the old policies, not the new policies. Yeah, right? uh, grand, granddaughter in. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should benefit from whatever new policies we, we put in place. Because, like... Because, like, literally, what, 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 what would we want to happen to those cops? You know? Yeah. Like, the, that's I don't know. a good-ass question. I don't right? know. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like my instinct is, like, when someone gets convicted of murder... 
like they should be removed from the general populace i feel right or like when someone kills somebody and but during that time some like some shit should happen to them that isn't just putting them in a jail cell and like telling them that they have 30 years right mm-hmm. like and it should happen like immediately and and like the purpose should be of like the purpose should be like pure reform like this per- this person shouldn't do that or like well here's the thing is like the whole point I think of centering it about the structure as opposed to the individuals because that's a Republican narrative is that it's just these cops are bad apples right it's their you know they're outliers right yeah. whereas the liberal narrative is this is a structural problem because yes. then the the question is does put especially for those cops because apparently the the cops that were you know the three other cops that were there with Derek Chauvin were all rookies like they had only they hadn't even been on the police force for like more than a year you know yeah so they didn't even know what the fuck they were doing um and (laughs) he was the one person who'd been on the police force for like 10 plus years and so i can you know obviously understandably see why you wouldn't feel comfortable like intervening in a situation like that because you don't even know what the fuck is going on but like it seems like that kind of a situation would mean that like we're not we're not putting the blame on these individuals because they're they're kind of doing their jobs in the way that p- cops are trained to do their jobs. Right. And then, right? like if you're looking through that narrative then like it shouldn't like it's less important than these three guys. Yeah, right? that's kind of what the liberal narrative is is that it's really not about these three guys. All police officers would kind of be in the, in that situation would would make the wrong choice cuz that's kind of how they were trained to do that, right? Yeah. Um have you heard of a guy named Jocko Willick? I've heard of an Maybe? I don't know. He has a podcast. What is he? Well, okay. And he is an ex-Navy SEAL. Oh, yes, I have because he's friends with Tim Ferriss. Oh, is he? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. And I was just he, reading Tim Ferriss' book. So GQ has this YouTube series that I actually really like called Technique Critique. Okay. Where they have somebody that is a professional, like, watch media and then, like, critique what's happening in the media about, like, what the, whatever their profession was, right? Mm-hmm. So, like... Jocko, who was an ex Navy SEAL, watched a bunch of military movies about Navy SEALs and was like, and was like, just like pointing out, like, that's real, that's not real, that's bullshit, that's whatever, really, you know. And so, um, I think those, I think the YouTube series is really great. There's like stuff, there's like lawyers and astronauts and accents and all that shit, right? Um, and so, th- th- this is all just to say that's how I like came to know about Jocko Willick. And then I went to his, I figured out he had a podcast and I went to his Twitter page and like started just like learning about his presence. And he has like, he has like a vaguely con- like Republican presence. Like he, I think he's, he, he has a very much like a wake up and go get it mentality, right? Like wake up, work out, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And he recently Which did Which is an aesthetic year. I'm really digging right now. I bet. I'm like really bought in. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're a fucking like entrepreneur. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's like, he like, he like posts photos of like his sweat drops on the floor. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, and it's like, he's like another, another day, <laughs> you know, or like something like that. He's a very scary guy. I love that shit. <laughs> follow him on, on, on Twitter then. Um, so he recently gives this interview on Fox News talking about like the failures of policing. Mm-hmm. And like where like restructuring can happen, and so I watch it, and I'm already like kind of intrigued because I as I don't watch Fox News, right? I'm already shocked that Fox News is entertaining a conversation of that like 
that is policing needs to change. But like even also, but like that was like the baseline, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't a debate. It was like, given that we know that policing needs to change, what's the best way to, to change policing? And Jocko was there to make a case for funding the police more for better training in, and not in like, um, uh, in like, in like hand to hand combat, for example, mm-hmm. yeah. he was like, he was like, Navy SEALs have to train for 18 months, um, for a single mission that will last or for a single deployment that will last maybe six months. So like, and it, and he's like, we have to keep training. Like we trained a shit ton to get to become a Navy SEAL. And then when we get a mission, we have to train for that mission specifically with the skills that we think we're going to need. And, and cops train for like two to three months to become a cop. And then you're just a cop. <laughs> and then, and he was like, and there's some like poultry number of like cops have to like do a recertification every year that takes like somewhere between like two and 10 hours or something like that. Right. And he's like, anyone that like is trained properly on how to use a chokehold, for example, knows that a chokehold is the safest way to take someone down. Um, he's like, I've been choked out thousands of times and I have choked people out thousands of times and I've never died and I've never come close to dying. And it's because I've always been choked by people that knew what they were doing. And he was like, the cops on the video with George Floyd and with Eric Garner obviously didn't know what the fuck they were doing um, because like anyone that knows how to properly administer a chokehold knows that what they were doing would kill a person. Um, and so, and so I thought that was interesting. And then part two, I thought was interesting was like, it was like de-escalation stuff, but it was very much like, a. he was like, as seals, <laughs> as seals, we are trained to remove our emotion from any situation. Emotions make things worse. And he's like, cops he, he's like it shouldn't matter if cops are scared because if you're, if you're properly trained you're like you don't have any emotions when you're in that situation you're acting purely objectively which is and, a little sus to me yeah like, right <laughs> <laughs> because like it's funny because the the commander of of you know the the uh, Minneapolis police department was was actually saying the opposite he was like you know these guys come in and like you know Derek Chauvin for 10 years has never gotten a single like mental health like support in any way. And every single day, these guys like probably witness pretty traumatic incidents, right? When they yeah. respond to calls, right? Yeah. And he's like, even if they weren't fucked up when they joined, the, the, they're fucked up now. They're fucked up now, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like how do you go through like yeah. day in and day out of like witnessing traumatic events with no mental health support and just like not get fucked up, right? Yeah. And you, and like, and you expect these people to not eventually snap on somebody. Yeah. And they and when they when they do snap, they have they're either at home with their fucking wives and they like, you know, domestic abuse rates and cops are higher than the general population. We know that to be true. Yeah. Right. Um, or they have a gun and someone dies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like. And like all all of these narratives are completely counter to like defund the police. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my question to you is, like, do you feel like. Like, or like, would you be interested to see like how these like if like if we could test these kinds of like methods of like giving them more 
like concentrated funding in a certain area would you be interested in like piloting that to see how it works well i think that like you know being at a pilot shit is always like the way to go and then just yeah. figure out what actually works you know yeah. like i think that you should kind of try to ha- if you can try to have like kind of a research-based like scientific approach to any social problem yeah including right people. for sure um like and i and i don't necessarily think that people who believe in defunding the police would disagree with that either you know um like i i think that they would also want there to be um obviously like kind of a rigorous approach to whatever alternate system we come up with because I don't mm-hmm. think that, like, yeah, I think the majority of people are not saying let's get rid of the police. And for the police that we do still have, you know, after we reform the system, obviously we should try to come up with approaches that are actually working, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I agree with that. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it's just so counter to like defunding police, right? I think I'm like, I think I'm like, this is a narrative that's like being perpetuated right now that I like that I think would work and I think like like I would be interested I would be interested to see pilots of mm-hmm. um but I think that this other method of like you know like really aggressive training for police officers I don't know I mean could, I think it's not a ex- mutually exclusive thing because I don't think it's also not even it's not even just a function of money right right because it's like concentration of resources that you already have yeah, I understand on, on like focusing on the money because the money is the most tangible thing that you could be like, okay, let's just take this and give it to these <laughs> people, right? Like that's like the most like kind of blunt tool there is. Yeah, but it's like but, what's being done with the money. Yeah, because, you know, even when they were telling these, you know, basically the Minneapolis Police Department had stopped allowing the police officers to go to these training. You know, like there's that guy who's kind of a traveling yeah, like cop the, the, who the goes around and gets training. training. Yeah, that yeah. guy. You know, they basically said, you can't go to his trainings anymore. We're not going to fund you to do that, right? But then the police union was like, oh, we'll fund you to do it if you wanted to. You yeah. Know, you still want to go, <laughs> right? And so it's not obviously just a money thing because they they stopped funding that and it still basically happened. Yeah. Um, and I would also say that, like, another thing that this guy was was talking about, the commander of the, the police department was talking about, was that a lot of his, um, like, outreach was literally just telling cops to go to community events, which is not necessarily an additional funding, like, thing. Um, he was just saying, like, you know, show up to schools and, like, read books to kids, like, do whatever, you know, like... He wanted his cops to go to like 50 events a year or something, right? Just so that you can, in the communities that they were policing, just so that they can understand how people communicate. And like, there was a really, really, really interesting episode of um, the Tim Ferriss show where Malcolm Gladwell was on talking about Sandra Bland, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And in the Sandra Bland case, he talks about, he like really investigated that case for his book, Talking to Strangers. And which is literally just about how can we misread people so aggressively <laughs> and that and Sandra Blaze is like the, the, the token case of that or the archetypical case of that because she like he describes when she got pulled over um, she had already had like hundreds of bogus like you know stops for like random shit right and this is the and Derek Chauvin was all or not Derek Chauvin the guy in her case I don't remember his name um, the cop in her case was also the type of cop who literally every single day pulled people over for random shit, right? Like this complete yeah. bullshit, um, you know, pullovers of like, oh, like the light above your license plate is out or some shit, yeah. right? Like looking, for, looking for shit, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, 
Malcolm Gladwell was like he, in like all of the the stops that he had made, like one percent of them ever actually result in anything, right? Yeah. And so he's kind of operating under this like illusion that like, oh my God, like this is going to be the one. Because it's like, why would you even bother continuing to do that? But it's like, you're just treating people like ATMs, right? Yeah. And so like in her case, she um, like she had lit a cigarette when he pulled her over, right? And his, he devotes an entire chapter to how this was like a, a crucial misunderstanding between Sandra Bland and the cop. Because... For, he's like basically saying for people who smoke, um, taking out a cigarette is obviously a kind of de-escalation thing yeah, because the most, smoking the calms most, your nerves. Yeah, right? it's the most disarming thing you could do. Exactly. Right? Like it's like, yeah, like I'm doing this to like give myself stress relief. And I'm not going to be doing anything else as, as I smoke the cigarette. Right. Of like, okay, I'm like freaked out. I'm going to try to calm down. Right. But the cop did not understand that that was a de-escalation technique. He thought, he thought it as being a sign of disrespect of like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? Are you going to like blow smoke in my face? Or like, are you going to like, he didn't see it. He, he saw it as her not taking the situation seriously and like actively being disrespectful, basically. Yeah. Right. Which is also, I kind of understand because I don't come from a smoking culture. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wouldn't have understood that either. Um, and so he's basically like, if people were just able to, be in each other's communities and speak each other's languages, we wouldn't have these gross, like, miscommunications of intent. Yeah. You know? I think that, yeah, I think that, like, a, a strict abolish, abolish policer would say that, um, would say that, like, there's always going to be these cases of, like, misunderstanding and that in these, like, in these cases of misunderstanding, that person should not have the authority to then kill somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... And I think I think both sides are right, right? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, like if you can, you should try to understand the people you're policing and the communities that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Like I don't think that's like a that would I don't think anyone would say that's, that's bad. A, that's advice, a no brainer, right? right? Yeah. That's a no brainer for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I think that what you said about like it not being mutually exclusive is pretty salient to me, right? Like it's like I think that a one of the kind of like embedded narratives of defunding police is also like reduce the job of, a, of police in general mm -hmm. so that whatever we whatever we do allocate them to they have more time and resources to, to devote to doing that thing really 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 well right mm -hmm. and like maybe like those time and resources that they have extras excess off should go to just like like pretty aggressive training and then tons of things right like, yeah Literally even just rebranding. It's so funny. Malcolm Glad was like, I'm from Canada and <laughs> our cop cars do not look like, you know, these crazy, like intimidating cars like yours do, right? They're just mm -hmm. like, they're just like normal fucking like sedans or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like you see people pulling in with their Crown Victoria that's like, you know, has huge like police yeah, across the Yeah, or like side. their fucking like Dodge Charger. He's like, you know, why like, don't you just consider some rebranding? Like, you know, paint them like a nice happy color, like teal or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like don't don't use exclusively muscle cars anymore. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good idea too, you know? Like just make it less male ego driven of like, oh yeah, I'm the guy with the gun. Like, yeah. <laughs> like don't build the fucking culture around that, yeah. Have you seen, have you gotten a close look at a DC police car? Not really. I mean, they don't look that bad. I mean, compared to apparently like LA police cars, they're like super scary. Yeah. DC police cars, at least they're like white. 
Yeah, they're white. They're red, white. They're red, white. They're red, white, and blue. Right. Yeah. Um, but on the <laughs> on the back, on the like the rear uh, driver's side window, printed on the window in like, I would literally maybe say like fifteen point font, right? In like aerial block letters, it says, "We are here to help." Period. <laughs> what? <That's- laughs> That's horrible branding. Like what? Yeah. You can't even see that until you're in the fucking cop car. <laughs> like the only reason, the only reason I've seen that is because like I've been like I've pulled up next to a cop at the stoplight and I'm like, does that car just say like we are here to help in like weird randomly placed font? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it says like every cop car has that. And I'm like, this is a like, clearly just like who who did you hire to design this car? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, should I do? It feels weird to do a conventional outro. But it does. I don't know. I mean, because we're like usually, I just try to. I try to revert to shooting the shit during an outro. I know, and it's like <laughs> we've already done so much of that. <laughs> uh, maybe I should go back to structure. I don't know. Um, how was camping? Where'd you oh, go to camping? I went camping in the Shenandoah, and uh, it was great. It was. You know what? The mountains are so much cooler than DC. I highly recommend. I didn't bring a sweatshirt or anything, but I really should have because it was cold. Yeah. It's the fucking mountains, dude. <laughs> yeah, but for whatever reason, I fail to... I really fail all the time to understand that I could be in a different temperature than the temperature I'm currently experiencing later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm yeah. super bad at that, too, actually. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> like, once it becomes like june 1st i'm like okay it's gonna be hot everywhere no matter where i go no matter what um anyways yeah if you're like listening to the fucking pod and you're like regular listener just like say something to us and like (laughs) um you probably won't and that's fine i I mean that's a lot of work to be fair yeah fair enough um thank you for listening (laughs) (laughs) um and but if you do want to say something to us you can do it at i'm the villain pod (laughs) and that is (laughs) our twitter our instagram and our gmail um <laughs> isabel do you have anything to plug <laughs> what <laughs> i i really recommend reading that mpd 150 report i will say mm, yeah good you know good, good report good have you read point. it i read like half of it oh my god wasn't it so well done yes it was very well done especially for so like, well uh, done it's like i feel like a lot of times when nonprofits publish like research driven reports and they're not research nonprofits they can come across as like really kind of fluffy and like not substantive but this one was good well also a lot of non-research like a lot of research nonprofits also don't put the emphasis into design that they did right because it wasn't just a research report it was also like a impact kind of activisty report you know yeah so it It was was, like really well done yeah a really good spin on like the the like cookie cutter like you know end of year final report that nonprofits do yeah for sure so um okay well uh bye bye